welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. This week, I am really excited to bring back the initial guest that we had when we first started this podcast. You may remember him. Brian Anderson is with us. Brian is the co-founder of Fathering Together, and I am the other co-founder. We started this journey a number of years back as we built the nonprofit called Fathering Together that has brought you this podcast, as well as the Facebook communities that I've talked about over the years, Dads with Daughters, Dads with Sons, as well as a number of other communities. But we've done much more than that. And as we have gone on this journey together, over the last year and a half, he's been working on a book called Fathering Together, Living a Connected Dad Life that just came out. And we are going to talk about that today, talk about the journey that he's been on, some of the things that he's been learning about fathers, fatherhood, and more. Brian, thanks so much for being back again this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be with you. It is my pleasure having you back. I'm excited to be able to talk about this journey that you've been on over the past, I'm going to say about 18 months or so, as you've been delving deep into looking at fatherhood and and what it means to be a connected dad. And I think that uh, let's go back to the beginning. You know, what made you decide that you wanted to take what we were doing in building fathering together and go deeper and being able to look at connection to be able to allow for dads to be better dads? You know, I had a friend tell me you should never write a book unless you can't fall asleep because the book needs to be written. And that was one of the things that I found to be true. The more I would talk informally with our members on Facebook, in conversation outside of Facebook with other dads or in the community here where I live in Evanston, I just kept feeling there was a trend to the responses of men, ourselves included. I mean, many of our conversations helped inform this book that we needed a new template. We needed a new roadmap to what fatherhood is and needs to be especially coming out of this pandemic and so here i was not being able to sleep at night because this book had to be written and i couldn't get the thoughts out of my head so i started writing them down in fits and starts and then found a writing community that helped me put all those ramblings into a coherent sentence and put a structure together to interview formally a bunch of our members so that I could start building this roadmap from the bits and pieces that people had given me. So as you were going along on this journey and and talking to different fathers, talk to me about some of the things that you learned that helped to inform the writing of this book. Because I know that you talked to a lot of different dads from a different lot of different walks of life. And what were some of the aha moments for you along the way? So in college, I learned about servant leadership because of some of my classmates going through leadership programs and telling me about it. And it's always been in the back of my mind of who I wanted to be was a servant leader. And as I was talking with dads, the tenants of servant leadership, which we can get into later, but they just kept showing up in the ways dads wanted to show up for their children. And foremost to that is that servant leaders try to be proactive and create space for others to shine. 
And there are lots of business leadership books out there that use servant leadership. There are plenty of CEOs that have written memoirs about how they turned a company around using these tenants. And I've read several of them and interviewed a couple dads who have written those books. I think they're great, but I could not find a single thing about fatherhood and servant leadership. There are very few parenthood and servant leadership articles, blog posts, what have you out there as well. Yet all these dads were talking about their children in the way that these executives were talking about their staff. Not exactly one-to-one, -one, but enough that I was like, you know, why don't we talk about servant leadership and fatherhood in the same way that all these other people are talking about it. And so I said, this is the book I need to write. And as I was talking with dads, getting the stories of how they show up for their kids, what it was like to become a dad, what they did to prepare, a lot of the tenets of servant leadership started to just percolate out. And some of those came with doing the deep work before you have your child. It's more than just building the crib or the dresser. It's doing that psychological and spiritual work to have a firm grounding in who you are and who you're meant to be as a dad. There were stories of dads who were advocating for their children and making the world a better, safer space for their kids who identify a little bit differently or believe things a little bit differently than the mainstream. And instead of telling their kids, well, you're going to get picked on a lot, they were helping to create a new community of support for those kids. All of which you can see in the marketplace in businesses where chief executive officers are creating systems so that their staff do great work so that they, as the head of the company, can do great work and really sing the praises of the brand, of the company, what have you, to investors, to whomever. And it was just a really fun journey to get these stories out there and, and into this book. So talk to me about servant leadership, because not everybody, when you they hear that word, know exactly what a servant leader is. They've heard of leadership. They have a picture in their mind of what a leader is. But what is a servant leader? And how does that connect with a father being a servant leader to his kids? Yeah. So for those who are unfamiliar, the idea of servant leadership, the phrase itself was coined by Robert Greenleaf back in the late 60s. He was an industry leader that was looking for a new way to create change in his communities, in his businesses, because things were getting stale for him. And he read a book by Herman Hesse, who has got dozens of books to his credit. And this one book called Journey to the East talked about these British officers going to India on this quest. And throughout the story, they had a guide and servant who would make sure that the tents were made, the food was prepared, all the things that these officers weren't doing. But this servant and the team were doing for them. As Hess was writing the story, he concluded with the main characters realizing that the servant was really the leader of this expedition all along. And for Robert Greenleaf, he recognized that this was a form of leadership that would revolutionize the work that he was doing. And he started writing about it. Servant as Leader is his kind of first treatise that comes out in the late 60s. And he outlines like two dozen different aspects of servant leadership, which is way more, let's be honest, than a father can take in, right? We're all exhausted. We can maybe get five or six, 10 if we're lucky, these aspects of servant leadership. And so Robert Greenleaf really thinks about this book and realizes this is a revolution for him to change his business. When I reread all that, 
stuff I just mentioned, the journey to the East, the servant as leader that Greenleaf wrote. I looked at it through the lens of fatherhood and realizing when I became a dad, I had read a lot of books. I had gone to all the classes, but I hadn't truly shifted my mind to realizing my life is no longer about me. My life is totally about my child. And much like a servant leader, we need to shift our brains to realize we can't be successful if our kids aren't successful. We are going to be more stressed. We are going to be more exhausted in our day if we just navel gaze. If we make our life and continue to make our life about us, our kids are not going to thrive. They're going to get left behind. They're not going to see us as a dad they want to be around. And for me, that really came to a head shortly before I went full time with fathering together. I've told you this many times off camera that I was putting my daughter to bed one night and she wouldn't look at me. She was upset about something. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, dad, you've been running this Facebook group for a long time, helping all these dads, but you're not being a good dad to me. And like any good father or bad father, I guess in the moment, I realized I needed to make a change. I was like, you're right. I'm giving you table scraps of my energy. I'm not giving you the best that I can be. I'm not being creative. I'm definitely not being like Bluey's dad and you know, going all make-believe and, and feeding into your games. So I made a shift. And that shift in my mentality really is what servant leadership is about, is how do we shift our thinking away from, I need to be the best so that I get all the riches, to I need to be the best and create a path for my children to be the best too. And that's the thing about servant leadership that comes out in this book. I love that. And I think that as people will read that, I think that they'll find that you challenge them in numerous ways. And I think that that's an important factor as you, as people are reading this book, is that the book is working in a way to not only allow for you to share voices of other fathers, but it's also a way to challenge them in many ways. So talk to me about the challenge and what type of gauntlet that you're throwing down for fathers to pick up. So in the early part of the book, I really outline how fatherhood for millennia before the industrial age looked very different than how we would live fatherhood now. In the hunter-gatherer, early agrarian communities, I'm sorry to get nerdy on y'all, but the fathers were present all the time with their kids. They didn't travel hours away because the farm was right there. The blacksmith furnace was across the lane. And so dads were constantly in their children's lives, teaching them, educating them. Oftentimes sons and daughters would follow in the footsteps of their parents. And so it just made sense that the, the parents were always around. Everyone was an educator to the children. And then the industrial revolution comes along and changes that. We start seeing the nuclear family arise. We start seeing dads leaving for long periods of time to work in industrial plants, in mines, in, in spaces where children are not present. And this kind of disconnect starts happening where dads only see themselves as breadwinners, as financial providers that go off for long periods of time to bring money back so that their children and their spouses are able to be fed, are able to have life. And the weekend was basically Sunday when they went to church and the dad was the leader of the family within the church unit. And so again, it was very much this disconnected reality of dads being sort of present, but not emotionally connecting with their children. And then the civil rights era comes along in the 60s and 70s. We've got women's liberation. 
And there's a really quiet little men's movement that doesn't get a lot of attention in the 70s. But my dad paid attention to it. Some of my dad's friends paid attention to it. And they shared that with me when I interviewed them for this book. And they started making the shift away from, I need to work long hours so that my wife and children are financially provided for, to I'm going to work what I need to work so that I can still be present. So for my, my dad and some of his friends, they were the Boy Scout den leaders. They showed up at sports games and either volunteered and served as coaches of you know baseball little leagues and all the other things, or they were there to help in other capacities. They started shifting the narrative. And I was lucky enough to have that benefit in my young life. And many of the dads that I meet now, more and more dads are picking up this challenge as well to not see themselves solely as a paycheck for their family. And the stories that came out in this book caused me to cry. I'll be honest, there are several dads that I broke down because they would tell me everything that they chose to do as a dad was in direct opposition to what they saw in their father. Or they were like, I'm living up to my dad's challenge to me to be a good dad, right? My dad laid out this great role model that I'm afraid to live up to. And yet they all are striving to do that. And so the challenge that comes out of this book is not to be the best dad, period. It's to be the best dad for your child and for every child you have. And as anyone with two children knows, just like you know, Chris, the type of dad you need to be for one kid is different than the type of dad you need to be for the other. It's subtle, right? It's very subtle. But my eldest daughter is into very different things than my youngest. And I have to shift how I talk to them, how I show enthusiasm, how I push them to greatness in Little League, in soccer, in their school. And that mindset of how to be a dad to your different children and the way to do it effectively only happens when you're there emotionally, spiritually physically present in your child's life. Because if you're gone 10 hours a day, yeah, your child is not fatherless in the way that our culture talks about fatherless homes, but your kid doesn't have a relationship with their dad because you're constantly gone. And there's a void there because they don't see the role model you want them to see. They see a role model of a dad working too hard and not coming home and just being present. I appreciate you sharing all of that because I think that it is so important for us to reflect on that, but also do the work. And I think that that's one of the things that I pull out of what you're saying is that we have to be able to not only look around us to listen to the stories of those that are also doing the work in different ways because we can learn from them to be able to identify and find new ways that we can do our own work because all of us have work to do. None of us are perfect and all of us have to work in different ways to work on different things that we are failing at. And I say failing because every one of us fails. You know, every day we fail at something and it's about doing the small things that we can do to get better. And I think that that's one of the things I hear you saying already, but also what I've seen in looking at some of the words that other dads are sharing within the book. Yeah, I mean, the first challenge, lesson, rule, uh, however you want to define that in my book is that we are not perfect. And that is a good thing because no one is perfect. And our children 
don't need to see perfection. They'll think we're perfect, even though we know we're screwing up. Until they get older, you know, the teenage years, they start to really point out every flaw that we have. My eight-year-old is already doing it. But if we exude this confidence and perfection, then two things are going to happen. One, they're going to see right through it and see the hypocrisy because you can't be perfect all the time. But more importantly, they're going to think they have to be perfect. And if something goes wrong, if they don't get a good grade on a test, if they fall off their bike and they don't get it perfectly, that balance that you need for a bike on that first try, then they're not going to come to you and tell you about the failure that they had because they're going to be feeling shame about that. And anytime I've felt shame in my life, I don't shout to everybody to draw attention to it, right? I'm not like, hey, I just failed everybody. Look at me, right? When I feel shame, I go hide in the corner. I go to my room. I isolate myself. And if you pound this idea of you got to be perfect, you got to be perfect. Look at me. I'm perfect. Then they're going to think I have to be perfect like my dad. And if I don't show perfection, I'm done for. And so I'm just not going to talk to my dad. And when my daughter was four, my first daughter was four. She was being potty trained and she had a few accidents like all of us probably did as these young kids going through potty training. And she was really upset one night. It was like two in the morning. She woke up, had an accident, went in, got her out of the bed, went into the bathroom with her and helped clean her up. And she's like crying the whole time. And I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? She's like, I just can't do it. I just can't make it through the night. And she was just really talking down on herself and really just being mean to herself. And I said, honey, I used to wet the bed when I was a little boy. And you could just see the waves of relief falling off of her as well as the shock because like what my dad this really cool guy that I get to hang out with all the time because let's face it we're all the coolest dad ever to our kids she was just like shocked and she was like really okay and I could just tell like by admitting that I was not perfect that I had fault and I had gone through those stages of life that she was now going through I had created a bond for her an idea in her mind that she could come to me for the next time something broke down or didn't work. And it happens all the time now. And obviously not everything she comes to me for, but by showing her that I had fault, I opened the door to human connection and relationship. And if I hadn't, then I might've lost that opportunity forever. You know, I think that that's a really important thing is being vulnerable, being open, being willing to put yourself out there, telling the stories of things that impacted you along the way, but also stepping back, listening. I've said many times on this podcast that one of the things that one of our past guests said was, as you're talking to your daughters, you always have to think about, is this a fixing conversation or a listening conversation? Because Our daughters don't want us to always fix. Our significant others don't want us to always fix. And that's hard for a lot of guys. That's hard for a lot of men, a lot of fathers to step back and know that we don't always have to fix things, even though it's our nature to swoop in and fix. And that's not what our daughters always need. Sometimes they do, but not always. So it goes back down to the fact that sometimes we have to listen, listen to ourselves, listen to others, listen to our daughters, listen to our spouses, listen to other men, and be willing to put ourselves out there as vulnerable 
even though that's not always easy to do and not always something that you're going to want to do, but it is something that all of us have to do. Totally. And a lot of that, what you're describing in a way is also empathy building. And if we are not putting ourselves in our children's shoes, reliving the struggles of life that come at the ages of three, five, nine, ten, then we're going to lose out on a little bit of, of that inner child in us. We'll close the door on those opportunities to play Lego, play Barbie, play imagination, fill in the blank, right? And I remember my daughter was six months old. Winter had finally passed and we took her outside and I put her feet down in the grass and she freaked out. And it dawned on me that she had never seen grass before and never felt grass either. You know, in my 40 years of life or 33, I guess at the time, it's so mundane, right? The feeling of grass to an adult is so mundane. Yet for a six months old, it's so foreign. It's so novel. They had no concept of that. And so for us to not put ourselves back in that mindset with them, to not see the beauty of a new day in the way that a child will, then we're missing out on that. And just as much as, you know, the rosiness of like, ooh, all of the great things, like my daughter was afraid of dogs for a long time. And I was just like, why, why, why? And I realized she's the same height, if not shorter than a dog. If you come across the lion that's the same size as you as an adult, you're going to freak out for lots of reasons. But a small dog is not going to necessarily freak you out, but your kid is going to freak out. And so how do you put yourselves in those shoes? How do you motivate yourself to be a lifelong learner alongside your child and not just paper over those new experiences for them because you're too busy or you're too distracted with other things. Well, Brian, I just want to say thank you for putting the work in, putting the time in to be able to put this book out there. I think that it is an important book. It's an important conversation that every father needs to have with themselves, but also with other dads and be able to talk to other dads about the struggles that they're going through, because that's a part of connection. So many of us bottle that up and we kind of push forward, push through, and don't talk to anyone about the struggles that we have as fathers. And part of what you're sharing in this book is the importance of having those connections, building those connections, maintaining those connections with other fathers to be able to lift up every father and help every father to be able to be the best dad that they can be. Now, I know that right now you've got a special deal going on for dads that want to jump in and read the book electronically. What's that deal right now? Yeah, for the month of September, it's 99 cents on Amazon, the, the Kindle version. And at the end of the month, the the actual physical paperback will be made available, and that'll be $15.99. So, if you want to get in early and support our work at Fathering Together, you can read the book on Amazon, but it'll be available all over the place starting in October. But to your point about community, we can't say it enough how much community has impacted our lives. And when you and I started Dads with Daughters on, on Facebook, you invited me and about 50 friends, right, in, in that first week. I don't think either one of us expected it to be the size and scale and scope that it is. And yet I am such a better dad having talked to hundreds of members across every continent and culture and lived experience. And so, yeah, if you don't have a community, come join ours at Fathering Together. If you're looking for a community, build one yourself with your neighbors. That's what I did. That's what Chris has done. 
And then we just happened to build a community together too. But to have mentors, to have peers that are journeying at the same time through the stages of your child's life and to have friends a little bit older. Like I can't tell you the number of times you and I have had conversations where I get off the phone and I'm just like, man, I'm glad I got a few more years to prepare for that stage of development because your girls are five, six, seven years older than mine. So thanks for showing me the way, Chris. <laughs> I don't know if I'm showing you the way or failing gracefully. So we'll see how that goes as I almost have an 18-year-old that will celebrate a birthday here in the next week or so. And you never stop parenting. We've heard other guests talk about that as well. As your kids get older, you continue to be their parent. It just changes. In every stage that your child goes through, the relationship changes. And you have to be willing to allow for that to happen and know that it's not going to always be an easy thing, but that just like the stages that your kids are going through, you're going to go through stages too. And it's not always going to be pretty, but it's going to be something that you'll survive and that your kids will survive, but that you have to do the work along the way, as we've been talking about. Well, Brian, thank you for being here today. Thank you for sharing your book and this journey with us. If people want to follow you on the interwebs, what's the best way for them to follow you? Yeah, my handles are P-A-X Brian, Pax Brian on Instagram and Twitter. I also launched The Connected Dad on TikTok to share some of the life lessons and stories from dads I'm connecting with. So those are the best ways to find me. But also, you know, I connect with most dads on LinkedIn because we're all doing our best to translate our experiences into fatherhood. And many of us are working while we're doing it. So and that's just Brian Anderson. You can find me on LinkedIn that way, too. Well, Brian, thank you so much. And I wish you all the best. Yeah, I'm sure. We'll talk tomorrow. <laughs> if you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step -step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad
than you can be.